Play it, play it, play it, play it. We are gay like a fruit. We are looking like a snack. You are listening to Fruit Snacks. I'm bored in the house, so I'm in the house board. <laughs> bored in the house, and I'm in the house board. Bored in the motherfucking <laughs> in the house board. Hi guys, I'm Brian. I'm Shane. And you are listening to Bruce Snakes. Bruce Snakes. I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know where to go with this because like, I feel like I'm so out of my element because we've just been sitting on this couch for days on end. Hours and hours and hours. Kinda. You guys, honestly, like we've been trying to record this episode for like, what, three, four days. And every time we come around to it, we're like, not today. <laughs> we're too busy. <laughs> it's not even too busy, but we've tried recording in in headspaces that weren't like in it, so to speak. Yeah, and they don't true. turn out very well. Yeah. So I feel like we waited. Today, it's at least not raining in LA. So that well, helped a lot. Yeah. So I guess we'll see how this episode turns out. So <laughs> I guess at that point, let's get right into it. Go ahead, start us off. Actually, I'm going to have you start this off. Okay. We'll go with the Tiger King okay. subject. So as you guys know, we talked about Tiger King previously. It's kind of like the hot buzz topic of the season. But um, we just wanted to bring up a storyline that I guess um, didn't get a really didn't get much light shed on it. But we both, after watching it, were like, I wonder if, you know. So what we're talking about is um, the, the, the male who lost his arm. The one with the chewed off arm, right? Yeah. His name is Kelsey Safri, but goes by Saf. Yeah. And um, I bring this up just because the whole time, the whole documentary, I believe Netflix kind of portrayed this individual as a woman when really he's a man and he is a transgender man and prefers pronouns he, him, right? Yeah. Well, it surprises me that this A was not very well uh formatted by netflix because i feel like netflix is super inclusive i agree um but i'm also surprised that in the in the i didn't want to say in the world of transgender awareness um and like pronoun awareness or learning about pronouns right because i don't think we're in a world of that yet but in a culture where that's being talked about more and more i'm surprised that this hasn't picked up more storyline um, well, I feel like Tiger King in its own is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a mess. <laughs> so I feel like every other storyline in that storyline, I guess, trumps this. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of like harsh, but <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like a crazy ass story. Yeah. You know, everyone's talking about Carol Baskin, if she actually killed her husband <laughs> she did. or um, how you lose all your teeth on meth <laughs> or if you have meth you can fall in love that's all i needed apparently was just a little bit of meth and i could have had all these dirty boys <laughs> not a little bit years worth of <laughs> yeah years worth of meth the, when i watched tiger king i honestly watched assuming that saf was a woman or was female identifying sure i didn't know until after we watched the entire season that he is a trans man yeah and identifies as as male honestly i figured even though they gendered him as a woman i figured he was trans because i feel like joe exotic being gay yeah and kind of like his tiger kingdom being a refuge i was like yeah that makes sense and if no one's questioning why all these straight men are falling in love with this crazy mullet-headed gay man i would not be surprised why they would not ask Saf who 
um, well, he I also chooses think, to be gender wise. Yeah, but I also think that I was wrapped up in the idea that he he okayed and validated losing a fucking arm for Joe <laughs> exactly. Exotic and those tigers. But that's what I mean. With like uh, no expectation of like, <laughs> I don't know, any like fallout from that. Right. He just like went back to work and was like, someone has to be here. Almost as if like, he didn't want to make a big deal of it because he felt so indebted to Joe. Yeah. <laughs> that he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I like, I, I don't want to. Yeah, I'm good. Like, let yeah. me get right back to work. Just yeah. like downplay the idea that you just got mauled. Yeah. But I mean, shout out to Saf. <laughs> the real MVP. So about a week ago um, on April 2nd, uh, there was a New York Times article that wrote about how the FDA reduced the timeline that gay and bisexual men or men who have had sex with men um, can donate blood. And if you don't know about this, if you're gay and have had sexual intercourse with another man, you cannot donate blood. So simply put. Yeah. So I I read through the article because I actually didn't know too much. I mean, I knew about the ban, but I didn't know like the history of it and whatnot. Real quick. Have you ever donated blood? No. No, because honestly, I kind of threw not like a temper tantrum, but I was kind of like, well, if you don't want my blood, like then I'm not going to give it to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Like working in. So I, I don't know if I've talked about this, but I was an HIV testing counselor before. And like working within that, just knowing how much blood, like how much science goes into blood work. Mm-hmm. it It's like appalling that we still can't donate. Yeah. So this ban was actually started in 1983 during the HIV epidemic or H- HIV and AIDS epidemic, and it was originally a lifetime ban. So if if you were a man who had ever had sex with a man, you for the rest of your life could not donate blood. But I feel like that's partly during that time too, because they were unfamiliar with HIV. And yes. AIDS. So there was so much that they didn't know. They just made it like a lifetime thing. Just like how the current climate is with Corona. Like every week, it's like a new update. It's something new. Yeah. <laughs> so. It wasn't until 2015 that they replaced the lifetime ban with a one-year ban. Okay. So it's crazy because now, not knowing that before it was a lifetime, thinking to when I knew that it was just a year ban, I thought a year was so long. But going from a lifetime to a year mm-hmm. is a huge jump, mm-hmm. right? So I'm kind of like, great, celebrate that small victory. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason that we bring this all up is now with the, uh, I almost said the AIDS epidemic, with the coronavirus pandemic, um, they've, they've minimum, uh, reduced the amount you, of time, reduce the time from a year to three months, which is still kind of a smack in the face. It is. I mean, it's like, it's one of those things that's like, oh, now you want us because you need us. But uh-huh. then regardless, like just because you fill out the questionnaire of like, no, I don't have all these like blood diseases, blah, blah, blah. And then they test your blood. That's not that's not the the safe proof way. Like they have right. to like physically test your blood. Right. So whether you have HIV or any other thing that could be passed on through blood, they're gonna test your blood regardless. Mm-hmm. So it's like you should just let whoever wants to donate donate because you're gonna have totally. to test it regardless. Yeah. Well, so Alfonso David, who is the president of Human Rights Campaign. Uh huh. Um, I love the article ended with a quote from him, and it said, "It is more critical uh, than ever to prioritize." prioritize science and facts over fear and bias which is so true because like what you just said there's so much science that goes into people who a little blood that's donated yeah um that we're still buying into a lot of the fear of like the gay lifestyle right as opposed to just knowing the black and whites of science right right well because ultimately like 
AIDS and HIV, as we know, isn't just a gay disease. Right. <laughs> like straight people oh, have the sorry. same situation. All of those stipulations that also applied to gay men applied to women who have also had sex with a man who is previously a had man sex who has with another yes. man. Yeah. But regardless. No, I know. And here's the kicker. I've donated blood <laughs> because uh, my friend who's a nurse wanted me to donate blood because she got a bonus for anybody who she brought in to donate blood. And she's like, hey, when you go in, say you've never had tattoos, say you've never gotten Zika, <laughs> say you've never had sex with a man, blah, blah, You can't blah. with tattoos either? I don't think so. Like you can't have, you can't donate blood if you've gotten a tattoo within the past year. Oh, Because okay. it's obviously needles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I was just lying out the wazoo. And I got a free pint of ice cream. <laughs> a pint a for a pint? pint. Yeah. Baskin Robbins, shout out. Oh. Yeah, a pint for a pint. <laughs> <laughs> but clearly there's ways around it. And I want to say that my blood was really good because she's like, wow, you got healthy veins and your blood is coming out so fast. And I was like, thank you. Sounds like so sexual. <laughs> um, so uh, the other thing that kind of bothers me about this is they, they weren't originally except like at the start of this becoming a huge pandemic, they were mm. still kind of like, mm, no, we're good still. And still kept it at a year. Yeah. And it wasn't until things got really, really bad. And I'm like, see, no, now you're coming to us, like you said, because you need us yeah. or you're, you're kind of looking to your like, quote unquote, last resorts. And it's like, fuck you. Well, like, I don't want to give you my blood at this point. I feel like, I mean, unfortunately, this is like how the world works where yeah. you don't need know what you need until you need it. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think we do this in our personal life too, where mm -hmm. it's like, I didn't know I needed to work so hard until you're broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only difference being this is so discriminatory. I agree. You know, I agree. Um, so again, like it sucks because we have to celebrate it as like a small win or victory, but it's still like such a backhanded compliment. So like, if you, Oh, your, your blood's great. Now if we you feel it. offended, don't donate your blood. <laughs> yeah. Don't keep <laughs> just, it. Just kidding. The last thing that I wanted to talk about, I think this is the most um, important thing of the week. Um, this is going to be a very serious topic. So if you are um, unfamiliar with the next category, just bear with us. Category um, is RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> let's just blaze through this real quick because we've yeah. been watching you haven't watched it in a while but currently it's season 12 mm -hmm. um who is your top three picks Gigi's my number one okay uh maybe jan for a second okay and then i hate to say this i hate it but sherry pie is my third and i know she can't win she's not like my my top pick as a person but uh -huh. as a drag queen she is pulled the fuck together yeah i think she's a great competitor and it sucks that Due to her background, which I guess we can talk about quickly, yeah. she's no longer eligible to win. And fully support and agree with that that decision. But I just think as a drag queen, she's great. Here's my three, and then we'll get into it. But same, Gigi Good. Mm -hmm. um, I would say uh, Jan as well. And then my third is Jada Essence Hall, because I feel like she oh, has good. been slaying it this whole time. Yeah, she is. But um, yeah, what, what Shane mentioned earlier is that sherry pie one of the contestants i guess prior to the show was kind of doing like sexual harassment online where he would pose as like a fake casting director to get men to send him videos and it was under the name alan uh, allison mose mosey or mossy yes, or something i yeah. don't know it's very bogus story but long story short he admitted to it and it's kind of awkward because i feel like they every episode they like halfly put him in the episode and then halfly yeah, edit him so they, out. Yeah, so they obviously had to leave him in the pieces of each episode because there are times where he prompts conversation that right. i think is conversation worth listening to but 
they'll only bring him into that conversation as prompting it. And right, then like, they cut him out the rest of it. Right, like if hear. it's forwarding the plot, they'll put him in. Yeah. But regardless, like, you know he's going to go far because totally. before in every episode, it's like, um, due to current events, like blah, 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 one of the contestants is no longer in the competition and it, he's disqualified. Yet the whole episode, the whole series has been filmed except for the finale. Yeah. And you wouldn't need to say that if he wasn't in the finale. Mm-hmm. Like he would have been disqualified simply by not making it to the finale. So yeah, that begs to think, Oh, he's for sure going to be one of the top four. Yeah. But But in the, in the little snippets that we have seen, that's why I say he's one of my top three is just because I think his look is always together. I think he's full characterization of the people or the characters that he's portraying. Um, And I don't, he's a New York city queen and I don't know much about him personally. Like he, he was always performing at clubs that I was never really at bars and clubs. Um, but seeing him on this show, I'm like, oh shit. Like yeah. I see why he's a top New York City performer and you know, not New York, anymore. New York Queens this season are irritating to me. Get get the fuck out. Like I can't. Especially Britta, I fucking can't. I'm mm-hmm. sure she's a nice person outside of this competition. I don't know her. But the way she is in this competition, I can't. Um, uh, let me just end with this. If you were to have to lip sync to any song, what what lip sync? What Ooh. song would you lip sync to? I would kind of want to do a live from Vegas, Celine Dion, like <laughs> I'm alive situation. She has so much ad libs in her song that I think is a drag queen would be really, really funny and comical. Yeah. And that's just more my, like I'm very comfortable. I feel in that like style or genre. Um, so I would say something along that. I think if I were to pick a song, <laughs> I would want to do Let Me Think About It by Ida Kaur. Oh, that's very yeah, Let me think about it. Yeah. Fun fact, that was the first ever song I ever danced to at a gay club. Oh, what gay club? Tiger Heat. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And I was living my best life. Honestly, you couldn't tell me nothing. All right, so for this week, um, we thought it was important um, to talk about emotional agility and kind of like deciding what is best for you. Um, what ge- what gave me the inspiration to kind of talk about this? I was reading a book called Emotional Agility, um, Get Unstuck, Embrace Change, and Thrive in Work and Life by Susan David. It was a book I picked up um, in the airport because we have a lot of downtime. I was like, let me freaking read. And so um, one of these one of these um, paragraphs stuck out to me that said, if you know your personal values and generally live by them, you are also likely to be comfortable with who you are. You don't need to compare yourself with other people because you're a success by your own definition. So in essence, what they're saying is that if you have a strong idea of your values and a sense of what you think you want to put out in the world and you live by that standard, you're going to have success. And I bring that up because obviously, like I was saying in earlier episodes, and especially at the end of last year, I was like really, really struggling with depression. I think that was like the big takeaway from all of that um, was that I just had to redefine what my idea of success was. Because I think part of like the current climate, as both Shane and I um, are experiencing, uh, pretty much all our jobs are shutting down um, or like downsizing 
by a lot. A lot. And furloughs are obviously in the future. I gotten furlough. I have received a furlough from Disney. I've received pretty much a furlough from one of the gyms that I coach at because the kids, obviously, we can't have practice because they can't be out. All last year, what I was struggling with was this idea of success. As you can see, I was like really thinking I should like be successful in the sense of like getting all these jobs and working hard and having this financial goal this idea of what a, a successful adult looks like, right? Mm -hmm. And I think part of it was that I was taking values based off of what society was telling me, capitalism, right? Like the more you make, the more you can spend, the more you spend, the wealthier you are. Yeah. And in essence, that's not who I am as a person. But I really got like blindsided and kind of like caught up in that whole journey because like one buying a house right like I was like oh as an adult that's a goal you should buy a house mm -hmm. but I was fine renting right yeah. <laughs> and then once I bought a house it just brought on all those other stressors of like okay well now I for sure have to work this many jobs to pay the mortgage mm -hmm. to do this do that and then any hiccup of like plumbing issues or roofing issues or getting new windows or blah 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 I had a front the money when yeah. before as a renter I didn't have to worry about any of that and yes like this is an investment so down the line it for sure will be better but obviously you don't think about that when you're going through those stressors mm -hmm. and through therapy I realized like there's that sense of okay am I living through the life that I thought I should be or am I measuring my idea of life based off of other other people's values and in essence that's what I was doing and I feel like once I unveiled that um it was life-changing yeah do you have any experience with any of that? Yeah. Well, I think that I, from time to time, will tend to value my own success based on what's happening in the lives of, like, the people directly around me. Oh, or totally. Like, like, the way that I've talked about how much I've gravitated towards that quote, like, you are the sum total of the five to seven people you spend the most time with. And in terms of, like, those five to seven people, I'll look at, like, the lives that they lead, and I'm kind of like... Am I there? Should I be there? Do I want those things? I, I think that I tend to think that I do or that I should. Um, but there are times where I am completely happy and, you know, like renting a room from you rather than owning a house next door to you. Mm -hmm. You know, like why do I need to pressure myself to have everything that, you know, even those people directly around me have? I love that they have those things um, and that they are hopefully measuring success for themselves in a healthy way, but that that measure of success doesn't have to be the same for me. Right. You know, I know innately what makes me happy and what, what makes me feel confident in what I have and what I've accomplished and what doesn't make me confident and what I still need to do to like work out of that um, lack of confidence. Mm -hmm. And I think there's always times where like, you know, I see lives of celebrities and I'm like oh that'd be so nice but then I also think about everything that comes with that and I'm like I don't know that I would ever want that yeah like the lack of normalcy and like ordinary life if you will that is just gone I don't I don't know that I would really want that mm -hmm. um but because of our society and our culture we measure that as success yeah it seems so second nature for money to be a part of current conversations mm. whether it is like an actual conversation that we're having now or like a, a through line that kind of just exists right of like yeah. oh where did you go oh what did mm -hmm. you buy what do you drive what do you do for work it's just like a monetary way of deciding is this person worthy of a connection totally. right i mean this is not for everyone but i feel like that's kind of whether it's purposeful or not that's kind of where american conversation t mm -hmm. treads you know what i mean yeah 
Well, because often we're looking in ways to help ourselves. Totally. So like, what do you have? Because that tells me what I can potentially gain from you. Right. Well, I mean, I think even down to the quality of life where there's classes exist in every society. Totally. But there's a standard quality of life that exists outside of the U.S. Right. In a lot of other places. Right. Um, that we don't value here. We value hard work here, but we we sort of mask that with you have to always be working to be a hard worker versus like in a place like Europe where, you know, a lot of time or in a lot of places they shut everything down right. for three hours in the middle of the right. day so everybody can like relax and hang out and enjoy quality time with one right. another and then go back to work until, you know, later at night. Right. Versus here, it's like bust out a nine to 10 hour day and then go home. But by that point, you're so exhausted, you don't want to do anything. Right. Um, and I think we've started to pick it up. Like there are some American companies that have started moving to like four day work weeks. Right. Um, where you get like Friday, Saturday, Sunday or Saturday, Sunday, Monday off. Um, but I think that we're really seeing that a lot right now with people working from home mm-hmm. during quarantine or social distancing um, mandates where like all of a sudden we're realizing how much we don't have to physically be in the office in order to like mm-hmm. be productive, you yeah. know? What I realized running myself thin, if I'm not working, I'm not being successful. Mm -hmm. And I literally measured my day off of how much I worked. It would give me anxiety that I have a day off because the thought behind the, the, the mirror, right, or the mask would be like, I'm not working towards some sort of financial acquisition, right? I'm not like getting any money from my day. So it's a wasted day. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, okay, why do I feel that way? Like, I don't feel like it's a waste. But for some reason, I have this anxiety of like, feeling bad just riding my bike around Long Beach because I, I could be doing something quote unquote mo- more productive. Mm-hmm. But then I think what really helped me was thinking everything as an exchange of currency, whether it is financial money, or energy, like for instance, like, If I were to have the day off and we went and got something to eat and then I had a really good conversation with you, Mm -hmm. that is currency to me now. You know what I mean? Like mental currency or emotional currency. Um, If I slept in, that's like physical currency, Mm -hmm. which I don't think I really uh, separated the two because the only form of currency that my head kept wrapping around was that if I'm not working, I'm not making progress i'm not you know i'm not being quote-unquote successful well because you're enriching your lives in other in your life in other ways totally but i didn't put that as at the same monetary value as i do at the time yeah well because you can't you can't physically measure that totally i mean sleep yes you can kind of physically measure depending on like how you feel based off of how much sleep you got but in terms of like a number, right? Like you don't see a number of like success there, right? Or what we would deem as success, right? Um, but yeah, I, I think a lot of us fall into those patterns. You know, even if we're aware of like what truly makes us happy, right. we'll still push against the grain to not please others, but like be pleasable to others, right? You know, I, I'm going to tell you a story that my dad told me after all of this. There's this guy who was a fisherman. Uh-huh. And he had a boat. And what he would do is go off, fish for the day, come back home, hang out with his family, raise his kids, and just, like, eat the fish. Uh-huh. And then a businessman came into town and was like, wow, this fish is good. Like, you should do this more often. And the fisherman was like, okay, but why? Explain to me what this process would look like. And he's like, well, what you could do is fish more and then sell your fish. And mm-hmm. he's like, but why? And he's like, because if you sell your fish, you can get more boats. Okay, but then... With more boats, you can get more fish. 
And he's like, okay, and then? And by getting more boats with more fish, you have more money to do things and buy things. And he's like, okay, and then? And he's like, well, when you buy things, you can start you know, distributing around the world, okay, and then? He's like, and then after a while, once you get all these people to work under you and like make this fish and do this, the boat, you can retire and have all this money. And he's like, and then? He's like, and then you can hang out with your family and eat fish. You're doing all this extra to, to end up where he was fine yeah, in full the beginning. Circle. Yes, the idea of like making it, uh-huh. What would I say? Like, would I like Jeff Bezos' money? Yes, I'm not naive to that, right? right? Having money, you can obviously have, there's that sense of ease in life because in America, money is everything. Mm-hmm. There obviously is an ease to that. But with that said, in the fundamental value, like as we're experiencing with the pandemic, like your health is more important. Mm-hmm. The people around you are more important. Yeah. Um, the things that make you happier, more important. And none of it really revolves around money. Money does make it easier, but it's not the sole reason. Mm-hmm. And when my dad said that, I was like, that is so true. You know, like, yes, we have to play the game in order to yeah. survive because that's part of it. But also that by playing the game, you almost have to detach and be like, I'm not the game. Uh-huh. I'm just a piece in it and it's fine. Yeah. You know, and you have and like, for me, it, it was kind of like an aha moment when I realized that where I was like, oh shit. Because even my therapist was like, okay, you're, you're saying you're not financially stable. What, what does that look like? And I was like, well, money saved up. And she's like, okay, well, how much is that? And I was like, I don't know. And then she was like, well, don't you think you are stable because you have all these jobs. If you needed money, couldn't you just get it? And I was like, well, yeah. And she's like, so isn't that stability? And I was like, oh, bitch, (laughs) you know? And like, retraining your thing you're thinking like that where it's like oh i do need to figure out what my values are Mm -hmm. and then just falling into that as long as i'm living up to my values i am successful right that's that's the key to success is Mm -hmm. just living up to your values i love that you have you get wrapped up with all of that but then you have to be like able to look at the emotions that are being pulled inside and take Mm -hmm. a step back and be like okay not to make everything about coronavirus but Something similar kind of hit me uh, recently when I was watching The View and Meghan McCain said something along the lines of like all of these companies that are asking their employees to show up to work are providing them like two weeks of pay if they were to like get sick showing up to work, but are not providing care for these people if they're infected. Right. And I was like, wait, that's so true. Like we show up to work and we're on airplanes like we're so susceptible to being infected by coronavirus And like, yeah, that's great that I'll be pay protected for whatever trips I had on my line for two weeks. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to get hospital care that I need from being sick. That doesn't mean that my company is going to make sure I have enough food and like supplies to make it through those two weeks that I can't leave my own house. Like all of that comes back to being my responsibility at that point, Um, which is sort of how I've justified taking our uh, my company's like option to leave Uh um, for a few months, because to me. I would rather know that like if I got sick, it was my responsibility or my my own doing, uh-huh. you know, like I put myself outside in a grocery store or something like that versus knowing like I showed up to work to be paid, but then I can't work for two weeks anyways or longer, mm-hmm. depending on how long that virus, you know, but that comes down to me reevaluating my self-worth in this very situation. That doesn't mean that I'll always be like that or right. always think that way, but that just means like right now my company's not going to value my self-worth as much as I'm going to. Right. And I think that kind of is always true with any job. Like they'll run you into the ground if you allow them to. Um, because a lot of times we're in that mindset of like, I have to work, 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 work in order to be successful. But 
unless we stop and say, I'm not going to do that, or I'm not going to allow you to push me so hard. I think we sort of like lose our own, our, our own view of like self-worth, you know? What do you think you're going to do? Say we get furloughed. Mm -hmm. Um, speaking of success (laughs) and like what that might look like. At that point, I would probably start figuring out what it is I would do if I wasn't a flight attendant. Mm. Um, I mean, I've said since I've had this job that I don't love it. I don't see it as like my forever career. So like one of the other benefits of me being able to take a leave right now is I can invest my time and um, energy into figuring out what else it is that I would like to be doing. But know that like if I don't figure that out within three months or if I decide I do want to fly for another year or two, like I still have that option to come back to where they can't force me out because I haven't quit. But my threshold is like I'm not invested enough to where if, you know, like after the 9-11 furloughs happened, flight attendants were out of the industry for like over a decade. Mm -hmm. I'm not waiting around for a decade hoping to be brought back. Like, sorry, my life is going to move on. It has to, you know. Um, realistically, like three months to six months, I get it. Like I probably can't do much else anyways, because if our industry is failing, which is like pretty, uh, a pretty big necessity, um, most other industries aren't going to be doing anything either. So it's not like I can jump into something else, but yeah, I I guess like my threshold is anything that's realistic in terms of waiting, you know, it's not worth waiting forever to me. Right. Um, so if I find something, I find something and then I move on. But in all of this, I've realized like how much I wanted to go back to Disney. Really? Yeah. Like I just miss going to like, obviously they're closed, so I can't do that either. But like just having access to going to Disneyland makes me so happy. Mm. Maybe it's because I miss it because I haven't had it in so long. But for me to miss it that much or for it to make me that happy after being gone for almost 10 years now is like kind of a big deal to me. Yeah. You know? I but I don't know what capacity that would be. <laughs> I'm ready to dump all the jobs I have. <laughs> when when they told us that we were furloughed, I was like, this is my chance to, to get out. Like, yeah. it's force, forcing me out, you know. Do you think you will? Just quit? Well, I mean, I, I said after MAP, once MAP closes, I think I, I'm, I'm mm. done. Um, I think everything that I needed to get out and what have gotten out of Disney has been, mm. you know, taken. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't foresee that my future is going there. And then with flying, like like you said, like you've been out of Disney for so long that you miss it. With flying, like it doesn't scare me to lose this job. The only thing that scares me is the idea of like stability. Mm. And that's where I'm like, okay, am I in the right thing? Like you, it was never like, I want to be a flight attendant because yeah. I always dreamed of it. It was like, oh, that could be a cute little side hustle mm-hmm. to travel the world and like see places. But then now that I'm like in a position where I'm like, I don't know if I want to keep traveling when I don't want to, you know, Mm -hmm. like traveling because you want to is different than traveling because you have to. For sure. And um, both jobs, Disney and flying, there's not a lot of um, cognitive or logical use. No. (laughs) It's just like, here's the task, get it done. And I think I need something a little more realistic considering I have degrees I'm not using, mm-hmm. but then I also don't want to use the degrees that I have them in. So that's just the dilemma right there. But for mm-hmm. whatever reason, there's so much uncertainty, yet it does not make me scared. And I don't know why yeah. that is. <laughs> well, I think the I think the lack of fear comes in that, again, like I said, if we're out of jobs, odds are everybody else is out of jobs. So yeah. this is something we're all figuring out together. As cheesy yeah. as that sounds, we are. Yeah. Um, 
because it's not just like oh we don't have jobs and now we have to find other jobs like there are no other jobs to, yeah. jobs to find right now yeah you know um, but not only that like i feel like and not like to kind of tie it back to what we started this conversation is like my values. I value that I'm resilient. Mm. And I think that's part of the reason why there's that sense of um, stillness when yeah. it comes to like all this uncertainty is that I know that like these jobs are just an extension of who I am, but not who I am. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, yes, I did Disney, but that's not who I am. And that's not totally. the only thing I can do. And yes, it's a part of who I am, but it's not my identity. Mm. Just like flight attending, like, oh, I am a flight attendant, but I'm not a the flight attendant. Right. Do you know what I'm saying right. with that? And so for me, I'm like, yeah, if I base my success on my value of resilience, like I know I'll be fine because mm -hmm. um, I've always had to be fine. I just don't know what that find looks like. And yeah. it's kind of exciting to think maybe I'll find it. Mm -hmm. But who knows? Just <laughs> 30 and still trying to be adults. But here's the thing, too. It's like, I'm like, yes, 2020 is going to be our year. The podcast is going to be fire. La di da di da. <laughs> and then right when we start recording, it's like, stay inside. <laughs> I think that's been one of like the the uh, biggest upsets so far in all of this, selfishly speaking, and this is so not big world problem and I'm fully aware of that, but like personally speaking, I feel like we've already gotten such great feedback on being able to just like have a full sit down interview with somebody on last week's episode yeah. that I was so looking forward to doing more of that and now nobody can like <laughs> come over and do interviews like that. Well, I, I think it's not necessarily like it's, I don't think it's like a roadblock as much as just a little obstacle because like a lot of businesses, we just have to figure out new ways to like be resilient. Mm -hmm. So we're going to still have interviews, but the sound yeah. quality might be rough. <laughs> Not that it's been great since we started, but yeah, we'll just figure it out. Yeah, for sure. We're going to figure some shit out. Yeah. One, two. Blend it up, drop it down, mix it up, round and round. We the boys that keep it juicy. Come and get your food. So um, for this fruit smoothie, we only have one question we're going to answer. Well, it's like a series of questions, but we got quite a few um, questions this week. Uh, That's because they get free shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, but uh, just in general, I feel like yeah. people are excited that we have the podcast coming back. This question comes from Steph through our Instagram, and um, it kind of is perfect for the current climate. I don't know if this person actually meant it for it to be, but hey, we are all in long distance relationships or should be <laughs> with your social distancing asses, okay? She asks, have you ever been in a long distance relationship? If so, how did you make it work? What can I do to show the other person I care even though I can't physically be there? So we'll just break it down, starting with the first question. Have you ever been in a long-distance relationship? Yes. Yeah. Uh, mine was my last relationship. Um, it was only long-distance for two months when I went to training mm. to be a flight attendant. So it was easy in that it was a definitive timeline. Um, we had been together for, I think, only a few months before I left. Um, so we had, like built enough of a foundation where we knew we were together when mm -hmm. I left. It wasn't like, are we boyfriends? Are we not? Um, but yeah, I think that was the only time I was in like a long distance situation with somebody. I've been in a long distance relationship for the past six years because 
all the men I want to date are staying very distant from me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I have a lot of experience in long distance relationships. <laughs> so dumb. No, I'm just kidding. But in all seriousness, I have been in a long distance relationship briefly. It did not work out. I do not think I'm one to be in a long distance relationship. I, I think I actually like to have relationships exist where I can be with the person, physically see them, physically touch them, physically have sex with them. Because, like, what's the point of being in a relationship if you can't enjoy the fun bits of being in the relationship? But yeah. realistically, like, as a flight attendant, no matter what relationship we're in, we're kind of in a long-distance relationship. Yeah. Because we could be in any city during any duration of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess uh, distance is all relative, you know? Because people sure. who actually live together are emotionally distanced and mentally distanced. So you heard that, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... How did you make it work? Um, a lot of calls. Okay. Um, I mean, like even now in in uh, the relationship with the person that I'm dating, I feel like we're talking all the time on Facetime yeah. and phone calls because over the past few weeks we haven't seen each other physically a lot. Yeah. So it comes down to constant communication, I think. Um, because I, I kind of agree with what you said. I tend to, like, one of my love languages is touch. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually my top love language. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I can't have that, I like to be reminded that the person is there. Because I feel like touch for me reminds me that somebody is quite literally there with mm-hmm. me. Um, but I like to be reminded that that they are, even if they're not sitting next to me. Yeah. Um and like this is a whole bigger conversation and this isn't something that I did but looking back I think that I can understand why people tend to open their relationships if one person leaves for for a while but again like I think that all comes down to constant communication right so like if you if you decide to make decisions in a long-term relationship that are different from the decisions you would make if you were physically together, I think you constantly have to check in with one another to see what your thoughts are on Mm -hmm. those decisions that you're now making. Right. Yeah. But I also feel like when that happens, that usually tends to um, teeter on the physicality side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just for clarification. Cause I feel like, like you said, especially a lot of men, I feel like physically that's how we feel connected in a relationship. Yeah. I mean, not connected, but in the sense that's how we know it's more of a relationship than not. Because realistically, without the physicality, it kind of is a friendship at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I think now I probably could be more successful at a long-distance relationship because I actually like my um, independence and space. And when we're together, I like it to be together in every Mm -hmm. sense of the way. Um, And I feel like that sometimes um, gets lost when you're around each other too much. But that kind of leads into my other question of what can I do to show the other person I care even though i can't physically be there and i think the best way to do that is just um obviously like when you make time for someone when they're in your physical presence it's easy to show that you care because you're like arranging your schedule to put them in it Mm -hmm. but i think that that goes just as far as it would you just have to be more creative right yeah where it's like if it's a date night yeah you can't go to dinner together but then like cook something that you guys both like to eat at the same time Mm -hmm. and create that intimacy without it being physically together for sure you know because realistically like in physicality is just one part of intimacy but like mental stimulation emotional stimulation can just be as intimate and as arousing um obviously it's going to have to be because it's long distance yeah 
but just showing ways like little things like that that you care like sending each other care packages without the person asking for it but be doing it as a surprise because you're like i love you so much i want to show you that i care yeah so here is a box of your favorite things you know Mm -hmm. look at me getting all romantic (laughs) bitch would i ever do any of that probably not but work (laughs) you would (laughs) what would you do or what do you recommend um I got like letters and care packages uh, while I was gone for two mm-hmm. months, which I loved. But I think the biggest surprise was he came to visit me without me knowing. Mm-hmm. It was all planned under the assumption that a friend was coming to visit me. Worked. Um, and that was like obviously a really nice surprise. It was like so unexpected that I think it took some of the element of surprise out where I was just more like dumbfounded. Yeah. Um, but like looking back, the idea was so romantic and uh, lovely to think about you know yeah um to care for somebody that much that you plan such a big surprise but again i just think it's the intent the intent behind it right you know like he wanted me to know that he was there for me regardless of us being physically together or not mm-hmm. so he made this huge big elaborate plan um to make me happy yeah, yeah. and that's the thing it's like it, uh, long distance relationships aren't easy but i think if you put the effort to show that you still care and yes, it's going to have to be more effort than normal. I think the person will respond positively towards that. Mm-hmm. So maybe try something like that. Going forward, you guys, please keep writing in to us. We love doing these like Q&As. One, because it's an easy way to get this episode out. Because <laughs> we're lazy. But also, it's fun to like be a part of the conversation with the snack pack because it keeps us connected. Yeah. What is your in-season for the week? Architectural Digest. Okay. Which I feel, I don't know why I feel like I've talked about this before, but you said I haven't. And I feel like you have a good memory, so I'm going to pretend like I haven't. I feel like you haven't, but maybe you have. I don't know. Um, I don't listen to you half the time you talk, so. True. Even <laughs> since before moving, I started falling into all of the uh, architect- Architectural Digest videos that are posted on YouTube. Uh-huh. They just go inside like celebrities' homes. Um, I think that part of this stemmed as silly as i feel saying this i feel like a lot of this stemmed from queer eye like watching the queer eye episodes one of my favorite things about every episode was the transformation of their living spaces Mm -hmm. i loved that more than almost anything else Mm -hmm. um and so i started looking at like bobby burke's instagram um he's a interior designer on that show um and i started looking like i said at architectural digest on youtube and just other uh like instagram space pages um so they would look at different types of homes or different um interiors of homes and i really started falling in love with how to decorate a space but more so in terms of how i would decorate my Mm -hmm. own it's this isn't like a i want to decorate for everybody else kind of thing um but i feel like since i've started uh getting a solid grasp on who i am i feel like as a person or what i like in terms of material items it's been really interesting to dive into inspiration in other people and other people's design and art mm-hmm. um, to sort of create that space for myself. I mean, I feel like I've been on that trend having for this sure. house, like yeah. just trying to redecorate. But yeah, home decor, 
Mm-hmm. I feel like that's when you know you hit like your 30s. For sure. When you're like watching HGTV yeah. and the cooking channel. Yeah. When you're like all interested in Fixer Upper and all mm-hmm. that shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Welcome to your 30s, Thanks. Shane. <laughs> my in season this week, I want to give a shout out to my friend Alicia. Um, she runs this Instagram called I Would Rather Not. And I actually remember seeing the start of that Instagram. That Instagram now has like 16,000 followers. And I Did remember you list her handle. Say what? Do you want to say her handle? Yeah. Her handle is at I Would Rather Not. That's not spelled K N O T. Cute. Um, because, I like that. I'm not being sarcastic. Oh, That's really cute. It's so cute, right? Because yeah. she does macrame. Yeah. And yeah, it was yeah. like a hobby that turned into like a job. I felt inspired because she posted something recently that um, was like a long wall design. Um, and I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. Like I, like you said about decoration and how you want to do your mm-hmm. thing. For me, I like things that are like patterned, strategically placed out in numbers and like mm-hmm. lines and, you know, all that. So I got inspired to do my own macrame, macrame. So this week, thank you, Alicia at I Would Rather Not, which you guys should definitely check out. Um, this week for me is macrame. I Thought it was going to be an easy project, which it is. It has been. Um, I feel like my brain works almost tandem with this. Like, it completely matches Mm. up with, like, a project I would love to do mentally just to zone out. But it definitely is more expensive than I thought it was going to be (laughs) because I decided to make a huge wall piece. And it's going to cost me, like, almost $200 to make. But I think at the end of it, it's going to look really good. So, you guys, check out the IGTV um, that we post on our Instagram because I do um, have videos that I'm going to post with this episode of um, the progress. And hopefully by the time I'm done with it, it's an all-in-one episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. If not, we'll just do it a part two. But for me, this week is macrame. Cool. Yeah. I wish that we could keep having um, guests because like you, like we heard or said earlier, we've been getting a lot of good responses with the guests that we had. But we do have guests coming up. um, So just stay tuned for that. And I just wanted to say, like, honestly, if you have enjoyed this episode or any episode that we've previously posted, or if you enjoy this podcast, we ask that you please spread the word of the podcast. I think the best gift that you could give us is telling a friend um, that we are worth a listen, because honestly, that would mean the world to us. Um, So, yeah, spread the news. Mm. Um, if you want to reach out to us and get featured on one of our um, questions, either on IGTV or on this podcast, you can reach out to us on Instagram at Fruit Snacks Pod. Um, but was there anything else you wanted to add, Shane, on this week? Nah, brah. Nah, brah. Well, we have a really busy day. We have to um, wrap these cords up and um, break down our in-studio session. And Drag Race is on in two hours. Oh, work. Actually, we do have a busy night. (laughs) (laughs) I was kidding because, you know, our ass is about to sit right here on this couch. But, yes, Drag Race is about to start. Drag Race. Drag Race. Anyways, we'll catch you guys next week on Fruit Snacks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.